Hey everybody, Jeremy Markovich here. Two quick notes before we get going. First, this podcast has a new home. It's now part of the North Carolina Rabbit Hole, which you can find at ncrabbithole.com. There you can check out previous episodes of Away Message. You can find any new episodes that we're putting out. And if you like this podcast, I think, no guarantees, but I think you will like my weekly newsletter. It is about weird North Carolina stuff comes out every Thursday. It is free if you want it to be, and you can sign up at ncrabbithole.com. Second, this episode was produced during my time at Our State Magazine. Now, I happen to think that most of it still holds up, but some of the promo codes and websites that I mention may no longer work. Okay, here's the show. Now we're rolling. Cool. Because this this is where the magic is going to happen. Mm. All right, I'll, I'll start it off. Okay. Hello. Hi. This is Away Message. I'm Jeremy Markovich, and I have a guest, James. Hello. James Michkowski. Yep. James, if you do not know, is one of the producers of this podcast. He is the only producer of this podcast because <laughs> we only have one, and he's it, and he's also an actor. He appeared in season two, episode four as Andy Bryson. Well, no, I wasn't, I wasn't Andy Bryson. I was looking for Andy Bryson. You were looking for Andy Bryson. Yeah. That's right. You were yeah. Bill Hall. Bill Hall. I should right. I should have a more of a command over my own podcast to know what role you played. Well, that's why you got me here, guy. I digress. You uh, you and I kind of got this email into the show recently, and yeah. it was really, really intriguing. So what did it say? So we got an email from um, this guy. His name's Daniel Johnson, and he's a big fan of the show. Daniel's dad is doing something really interesting right now. He's doing a concert series, which Daniel thinks is probably in one of the most remote places to do that. Yeah, this came in and I was like, well, dude, this is an excuse for you to go to a free concert. Sure. It's really kind of a, you just this unique vibe and experience. And you found something that was like really deep. Yeah. So where was this concert exactly, if it's so remote? So the concert is in a place called Powderhorn Mountain. It's right between Boone and Wilkesboro, basically. And um, it's a pretty difficult place to find. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How yeah. difficult? So it kind of all started with a call to, to Curtis Johnson, who's Daniel's father. Hello, this is Curtis. Hey, Curtis, this is James from our state. He tells me, don't use your GPS. The GPS is going to take you the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I'm very remote, down in a valley. It's kind of hard to get to. So my immediate reaction is, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get lost? I... Uh, Yes. I don't want to admit to it, but I totally did. But you and got lost. I got, yeah, I got lost. Turn left onto Old North Carolina Highway 268. Yeah. And so I backtrack. Turn left onto Reservoir Road. I'm going to shut, so I do have an Australian GPS just because I think it's awesome. I follow Curtis's directions and it takes me to the heart of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I go underneath the Blue Ridge Parkway. And it's like a beautiful Saturday out. I put my windows down. It's a beautiful place to get lost. That's for sure. But eventually I find Curtis's yeah, house. That, that was- and Curtis is out there waiting for me with his uh, girlfriend, Lisa. James. I'm Curtis. Nice, nice to, to meet you, too. Curtis. Sir, I got my hands full here. And what are they like? Curtis is a taller guy. He's in the 60s. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's at a really ripe dad age. There you go. <laughs> Does he look like a dad? He's like super like dad looking. Yeah, he is. But like in the best way. He's uh-huh. got the cargo shorts on with the pockets on. Oh, yeah. The, you know, he's got this Southeastern Folk Alliance t-shirt on. Come on in the house. Cool. cool. We've got a few minutes. What, what's his story? The way that Curtis tells it, he always grew up kind of really loving music. My parents listened to music occasionally. I wouldn't say we were a musical household. Gotcha. When it became a bigger part of my life, there was no 
roadblocks to that. So if you put like a Beatles record on, they wouldn't be pissed about it? No. No. And they might tell me to turn it down. He has a buddy who works at a radio station in Wilkesboro. He did the Sunday afternoon show, the weekend show, and I'd go hang out with him. And he'd sometimes get up and go in another room and say, you got this, and let me run the station for a little while. What was Um, that like? You're not 16 yet, you don't have your driver's license, and your dad lets you drive the car. (laughs) that's, That's what it felt like. So when he, it's time for him to go to school and go to, you know, go to college, he goes to Wilkesboro Community College and he enrolls in their radio program. And as he does that, he gets, um, you know, part-time work working at that same radio station. So basically started college to learn how to be on the radio the same day I started my first real radio job. I used to be a radio DJ in college too. And that's an interesting moment in time to do that because you have time on your hands to really explore music in a deeper way and for me it was the college radio scene for me it was americana and for curtis it's progressive rock in the 70s which is like a super cool time to do that right so Um, it's like yes zz top almond brothers wishbone ash pink floyd in a really different weird way that wasn't the 60s a lot of people you'd heard of a lot of people you'd never heard of there's a lot of things that are happening in that early moment in the early 70s where he kind of gets hooked and most people will identify with wilkesboro as kind of this heartbeat on folk music for the state right like merle fest like merle fest exactly he's a big a fan and, and appreciator of singer songwriters but at that time i think he was just really interested in new music that he never heard of before and then right as he's about to graduate that same radio station is like would you like to work on full-time and so he does it's where I wanted to be, and it's what I wanted to be doing, and everything was just falling into place. He works like the latest shift of the day. From 10 till 2 a.m. To me and to everybody else, you're like, oh, who would want to do that? But for him, it's just like, it's a gold mine, you know, because he gets to listen to all this new music that he's never heard of before and play it for people. It's a passion, you know. Yeah. If somebody has a passion, they, they want to know more about it. Yeah. It was not, I didn't see it as a career. I saw it as, this is what I do. This is who I am. This is what I want to be. He does it for a while, and then he has a family, and he gets married, and ultimately the salary of a DJ doesn't really cut it when you're trying to have a family. And so he does the most Wilkesboro thing that you could do. He starts working for Lowe's. Yeah. <laughs> Growing up, I always knew that if you lived in Wilkes, you went to work for Lowe's, you, that was a good thing. Towards the late 70s, when, when he starts working there, computers have become so much larger in people's lives. And he starts learning how to use a computer while he's at the radio station because he has to program these computers to play certain music and advertisements at certain times. So because of that... My job at that time when I started was traveling all over the country installing computer systems in the stores. And so he ends up working at Lowe's for 30 years. He loves it. You know, I would go town to town to town and see a lot of the world I would have never seen growing up in Wilkes County. And then he retires and he's like, what am I going to do now? You know, I've got him in this house. You know, he's divorced now. His kids are grown. And he wants to start sharing music with people again in a very, not a very big way, but in a way that's really important to him. It's, it's It's the way that he's always wanted to see music. And that's through this house series. This is where I'm going to expose myself as a neophyte. I... I have never been to a house concert. I've heard about them. 
but I do not know like what's up with house concerts and you, but you've been to a bunch. Like what are they? So the name gives itself away. Uh-huh. These are supposed to take place in a house and it's a broken down show with minimal amount of people there. Now for some music, the best place you can see it is at a bar, right? Where it's rowdy and there's movement and it's grungy and whatever, or, you know, seeing it at the park or, you know, when you can run around and be loud and stuff like that. Um, but some people really just want to sit and just listen and really take in this art for what it is. And that's what house, like house shows do. And that's what Curtis wanted to create. And that's what Curtis wants to create. So when did he start doing this? So it was about nine years ago. How does he do this? He's he's retired. Yeah. A long time ago, he was a DJ. He's never lost that love for the music. But then, like, how do you start a house concert? Like, how do you say, like, hey, uh, musician, I'd like you to come to my house and play a show? Well, it's interesting because it, for Curtis, it happens in a really interesting way. There was a Suda house concert in Union Grove called the Cook Shack. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really a house concert because it was at a at a restaurant. But the restaurant wasn't open at night. And so the people that put this series on talked the owners of the restaurant to, after the restaurant closes, can we bring in people and have music in this room? Yeah. And the people in that room loved music because they're in Union Grove where the Fiddler's Grove convention used to be. And, you know, there's all that music down there anyway. So I saw this couple play down there, uh, Stacy Earl and Mark Stewart. Just an amazing duo that just bring an audience in in about 30 seconds and don't <laughs> let go till the end. You wake up in the morning You hear the work bell ring They march you to the table See the same old thing no And I saw on their webpage or whatever that they had done some house concerts. Mm-hmm. So I emailed them. I'm like, so tell me about house concerts. Yeah. And they graciously wrote back and started filling me in on information Hmm. and I was chicken and not ready to take the leap and didn't really feel like I knew enough to do it or knew what I was doing or whatever and then at some point it dawned on me hey I have a clubhouse that I have access to I don't have to worry about squeezing 50 people in my living room I have a clubhouse so I went down and talked to the mountain manager and said so can I I want to try something can I use this room as a concert space yeah and he was agreeable he didn't have a clue what i was talking about but he was agreeable sounds like a good idea around the same time uh, mark stewart sent me an email two years later and said are you ready to have a house concert? Have us for a house concert. Right. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing them yet. (laughs) And he wrote back and said, no, really. We'll help you. We'll help you figure this out. Wow. And he twisted my arm a little bit, and I really wanted to do it, and I just needed somebody to urge me. So he urged me, and I said, okay, let's do it, but I don't have a sound system. He said, house concerts, we'll do acoustic. It's fine. He had no idea I was going to put him in a room that could seat 100 people. Right. Uh, we didn't have 100 people. We had like 30 the first night, and we drew them in really close. So mm-hmm. it was fine. It, it didn't strain his vocal cords or anything. But. Special, sing along, shine a light on me. 
we had a blast. Hmm. Had a blast. I had a great turnout. Great, you know, for not knowing what I was doing, it turned out wonderful. Yeah. And I think the next week I bought a sound system. It was like, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah. We're going to make this happen. And we're going to take you to this house series when Away Message continues. This is Away Message. I'm Jeremy Markovich, and I am here with James Michkowski, our producer. Hi there. And James went up to the mountains, out to Wilkesboro area, and went to a concert. And this concert is not like a normal concert. It's not like Merle Fest. It's not like uh, going to a big show or like a small club. Like, it's at a house. Right. And so, well, sort of. Sort of. But it's interesting. So Powderhorn Mountain is an interesting place to first start your house series. Why is that? Powderhorn Mountain, when it was being developed in the 70s, and probably a little bit earlier than that too, um, as there's as these houses started to blossom on on the side of this mountain, there was a a strapping young man at this time um, who was really making a stir in the old folk scene, folk and bluegrass scene. And it was a gentleman by the name of Doc Watson. She's so sweet and she's so neat that when she walks, she knocks you over your feet. Who just happened to be from the area and really liked playing smaller shows that were connecting with people in kind of that folky way. And he played Powderhorn Mountain a good amount of times. And he was in the same room that we were in. And it's just kind of wild to be in that space. And it's... For Curtis is a is a for him, it's really exciting that something like that could have happened with Doc Watson so many years ago, and that he could kind of carry this thing on. Two, you're on two. So tell me about the concert. Yeah. Go go back to it. Let me let me unmute the other. Let me see. Curtis is is very focused on making the best thing possible, uh-huh. and so you get in there and he has created this cool little stage space. Right, it's in front of this like wood burning fireplace and he's like rigged up these like very basic stage lights uh, which create this really cool like blue green moody situation he's got a soundboard and he's got some pretty basic like you know pas and the furniture is just right like you know if you were from the vantage point of of the musician looking out he's like tiered it just right with like couches and armchairs so it just it feels like a nice little stadium setup almost but like you know for 50 people he's very particular about that too and he's also very particular about the time so the doors open at seven o'clock everybody knows this because right at seven o'clock everybody's piling in the idea is that you bring some you know you bring it to potluck so you bring some food with you so everybody kind of brought pastries i brought Bojangles, so that's odd. And you want to get there early because you want to get on one of those couches, or he calls it a soft seat. And there's no cell service up there, so there's really no Wi-Fi up there either. So you're really, really isolated. You don't not you don't get distracted up there. Yeah. So to have these like awesome concerts in your backyard is like sick. You know what I mean? It's like it's like, you know, it's, like it's like you're like you're really excited for Saturday night because and Curtis is such a great ear for music that he picks these people who are 
who are like on the brink almost. You know, they're 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 very talented and they're they're just almost about to break through. And so and everybody there knows that. So how many people are you expecting tonight? Um, sixty seven if everybody shows. Oh wow. What are we at right now? And so I sit down with Lisa and Lisa's kinda of checking people now. Good crowd tonight? Yeah, I think great. we're gonna be okay. We're gonna we've had calls all day. And this, then this thing happens where this guy just comes in, this older gentleman, and he goes over to Lisa and he's, he's, uh, he says that he and his wife can't make it tonight and they're bummed out about it, but here's 40 bucks and we'll see you next time. Oh, well, thank you very much, George. And he just leaves. He just, like, gave them 40 bucks and left. See, now that happens often. Or that happens with some regularity. Folks who can't come but want to support live music still come and, or they'll pay. Yeah. Or if they come for only half the show because they want to keep this going. Right. And they know it's going to support the artists and that word will get out that artists make good money here, so they'll come. And even if they can't come to the show, people will still donate. Yeah. I love that. The thing about house shows is that, first of all, you're not, with this particular set of them and the alliance that he works with, you're not allowed to advertise them. So this is not an advertisement for Curtis's shows. Got it. And you're also, you're not allowed to make any money off of it either. So all the proceeds, literally all the proceeds, go to the artist. And Curtis, just because he's a great guy, kicks in an extra 10%, just in case the crowd isn't as big as he hoped it would be. That kind of has set a tone for me in a pretty big way. I'm going up to people, and then they're introducing themselves to me, and I feel at home. I feel welcome into this club. What do you enjoy about this evening, this, this kind of everything. space? Everything. In fact, my daughter just called home, and they said, "What? who are you going to see? She said, I don't know. Is it, what kind of music? She said, I don't know. I said, we don't care. We just love these concerts. We come to all of them. It's BYOB, so you bring your own cooler. So I have a peach blueberry margarita with fresh peaches and blueberries in it. Yum. Yum. Right at 7.30, Curtis flicks the lights on and off. We all sit down and we find our, we find our reserved seats. Hey, folks. How are you? I kind of look around the room for a second, and everybody's silent. And it's like, I don't remember any show I've ever been to where that immediately happened. We're like, we were all just like, this is game time. You know, and we're silent. Um, how many folks here are first time at a house concert? House concerts don't work unless you show up. So thank you. And the show starts. Please welcome Grace Pettis. So Grace is up on stage and she's yeah. starting to play. I mean, what what's happening in that room? What's going on in the room is that we're all sitting there and we're all, you know, staring up at Grace like children, you know, and like in front of a, it's all like all these people with like wide eyes and open mouths, just like, oh, like, oh my gosh, this is so good. You're never fighting. 
Well, for an artist like that, for a singer-songwriter, it's difficult to be on the circuit. It's difficult to make a living on the road and constantly be on the road and traveling and playing for empty rooms, playing for 10 people in a bar and three of them are yelling at the television because the baseball game's on. What Curtis provides is a space for them to have an active audience, to tell their story, to share their story. And people are very appreciative of that. And they find some kind of, at least from what I could tell with that night and that day and with Grace who was singing that night, to be off the road and to be in someone's home like that was a way of finding a peaceful spot in the middle of this long tour where they are gone for weeks on end and they're away from their family and loved ones. You know, they could kind of have this safe space. And I think for a singer-songwriter, I don't know, it's like, it's like finding an oasis out in the middle of the desert, you know? And she's killing it, man. She's great. And she's, you know, cracking some jokes and she's really talking about her songs and what they mean. My mom is actually from North Carolina, but uh, yeah, yeah, Chapel Hill. Oh my gosh, today I was driving around, you know, and I saw like the Blue Ridge Mountains and I saw I had like my, my blueberries on my blue jeans and I was just like, I'm in Carolina. <laughs> Everything is blue. It's great. Oh, I thought of my mom. Curtis is sitting there the whole time with a big smile on his face, you know, as is Lisa and, and Daniel. I mean, it just it just feels like the purest form of listening to music. You're just in there with a bunch of friends and somebody who wants to be there. It's it's magic. into this series um what what do you get from it i get an evening uh, sorry it's okay it's kind of overwhelming i get overwhelmed i get blown away by it yeah um one of the most rewarding things i is when somebody comes up to me six months later and says, hey, did you see that Chuck Brodsky is touring so-and-so or he has a new album coming out? Mm -hmm. And I know that they didn't know who Chuck Brodsky was before Chuck Brodsky came here. 
and now they're following them. So I've created a fan for life that's rewarding to me. I get a and I get emotional when I'm no sleep too. That's what's going on here. I've had about four hours of sleep. Um, I get to sit on the deck with some really cool people yeah. and hear about their experiences and their life and understand who they are. Um, a lot of musicians have told me that being a musician wasn't a choice. It was what they had to do. They didn't decide one day, hey, I'm going to be a musician. They just never decided not to be one. Um, there are people who make the decision to be a musician. Don't get me wrong. They're not all that way. But a lot of them don't make that decision. It's who they are and it's what they're going to do. Yeah. I won't go that far. I won't say that this is who I am and this is what I got to do. But I do feel that there's something in me that's going to keep figuring out how to do something like this for a long time. Yeah. Because it's rewarding and it's fulfilling and it's exhausting and it's expensive. But having 60 people stand up um, blows me away. Yeah. I got to take a break. That's okay. You can take a break. I do this. I think after every show, I get emotional over something because I'm exhausted. Yeah. Well, a lot goes into it. Um, I'm normally not wildly emotional, but it just that's okay. it hits me. Would you like some water? <clears throat> yeah, I would. I got cold propelled too. No, I'm good. Thanks. All right, let's have toast. Toast. So when the show's over, the night's not over. Right. Curtis. Good friends. Cheers. Cheers. Salud. To a great, great Curtis concert. Yes. Thank you. Cheers. To a great y'all's house concert. Yes. Something that Curtis has done that's really interesting is is he invites all these artists and these musicians back to his home if they would like to place a stay. They're they they can stay there. If not, they can keep going on. Where'd y'all learn to cook? Me from him. Watching public TV. Watching who? Watching public TV. Really? (laughs) Okay. Access TV. And we go out to Curtis's back porch, which like is on the edge of this mountain. And he's got that chimenea going, so there's like a fire, and there's like really nice kind of lanterns that that just are on the railing there of his porch, and it's all this like really soft, beautiful light, and then this beautiful little dinner table with all this food and this and these you know new people kind of gathered, and it turned into we started just talking about what our favorite records were and why, you know, and we all kind of go around the table and start answering. All right, Daniel, what's your what's your favorite record? Daniel's got a beautiful answer. And it's like involves him and his dad. dad. Dad and I were driving, and by this one particular time, I was playing some music from the OC, and I played this this British band called Jet. I think they're British. Yeah, I know Jet. Yeah, I played yeah, Jet. Yeah. And Isn't that are you gonna um, be my girl song? Right? Yeah. yeah, and I played the song "Move On," which is a little slower. Oh. And as soon as that song came on, within like a minute, Dad said, "They're stealing everything from Pink Floyd right now. You you need to." And I'm like. I don't. I was really, really, really young. To be clear, I had no idea who Pink Floyd. I mean, I did, but I didn't. Right. He pulls over uh, because this was still the '90s, and you could do this. He pulls over <laughs> to some like Best Buy or CD store or something like that, and and we literally break from our trip to go see this store just so he can go in and buy a Pink Floyd album. So we go get this CD, and we get back in the car, and then we keep going to to our trip. And he puts on "Wish You Were Here," and and 
I just fell in love with it for with the guitar. I probably listened to that song within the next week. I probably listened to it no fewer than a hundred times. Great um, song. It's a great album, yeah. but the song in particular, I just and yeah. so I just. Daniel is just as tall as his father. You know, he's a, he's full of energy too. Because I think with with this evening in particular, um, he can connect with his dad in a way that I don't think he's had before this music series started. He gets to be a part of this evening that's pivotal, and also he gets rewarded for it in, in different ways. And so I just became enamored with that whole thing. I think that's, yeah. a, that's a pretty cool dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah as I said, it's an awesome dad move there for sure. Yeah, I looked over at Curse at the head of the table, and he's just, you know, he's just eating it up. You know, this is what he's always wanted. Away Message is a production of Our State Magazine, an employee-owned company that's been celebrating North Carolina for more than 85 years. You can get $5 off a year's subscription to the magazine. Just head over to OurState.com, click on subscribe, and use the promo code AWAY to get $5 off a year's subscription. It is our thank you for listening to the show. This episode was reported by James Michkowski and produced by James and I. Elizabeth Hudson is our editor-in-chief. Thank you so much to Mark Stewart, Stacey Earle, and Grace Pettis for allowing their music to be used in this episode. Now, we love music so much here that we've made a soundtrack for this entire show on Spotify. There, we have put all of the closing songs from all three seasons of this show, and almost every single one is from a North Carolina-based musician or band. You can check out the Away Message playlist by heading over to our website, away.ourstate.com. And one last thing, James is used to being the guy behind the scenes, so when you put him in front of the microphone, weird things happen. I'm super close to the mic, and so, it, it feels like I'm kind of just slowly just starting to give this thing a little kiss. It, it, looks, <laughs> it looks to me, never do that again. It, look, it, it looks to me if like- If I'm you, yelling, you have to tell me. No, you're so close to it, and there's this this, this kind of like uh, silk-like uh, screen on yeah. in front of the microphone, and it looks like- 
I'm just talking to somebody in like a SARS mask. Right. And like, <laughs> yeah. like you're trying to board an airplane, but you don't want any of the weird germs. So you've got the, you've got the thing on. Yeah. You know, you know, in uh, Talladega Nights where Ricky's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do with my face right now. Okay. Well, the, this is, this is going to be weird, but nobody will see it because it's a podcast. So good. We'll be back with another new episode of Away Message really soon. I'm Jeremy Markovich. Thanks for listening.